Hi fam, and welcome to a Sober Girls podcast. I'm your host, Sherry, and I have been sober for 11 years, and through that time have been through my own ups and downs, not only with staying sober, but also learning to live life on life's terms. If you are listening to this, then you have previously or are currently struggling and are ready to take certain steps to get better. Alcoholism has affected each of us differently, but we all have the same stories, what we used to be like, what happened, and what we are like now. You are ready to make a change in your life, and we are glad to have you here. This community is one of strength, commonality, and inclusion. The only way we stay sober is to help the suffering alcoholic and addict, and I am ready to take you on that journey with me. So let's get started. Good morning, fam, and happy Wednesday. I hope that you had an awesome week last week and a fun weekend. Uh, We had a cold weekend here. I've been battling a migraine for the past four or five days, so unfortunately, my whole adage on taking it easy went into full effect last week, which was not a lot of fun, but um, I really did slow down. I've made a lot of changes in this past week. I have hired social media content managers for some of my accounts. I have turned over the reins to my editor and production assistant, Jace, so he can take care of things for me. And I have really kind of just taken a step back from trying to bombard myself on a daily basis so that I can focus on being present, being available for not only my family and myself, but you focus on my baseball writing. So... I'm really learning to let go, and I had a meeting this morning. It's Saturday, but you're going to listen to this on Wednesday, and I just loved the topic of the meeting so much because it followed through with everything that we talked about last week, you know, taking it easy, and the topic was letting go of our old ideas, and on page 58, it talks about how we are going to see this program work, how we see the steps put through. And um, in one of the paragraphs, it states that at some of these ideas we balked, we thought we could find an easier, softer way, but we could not. With all the earnestness at our command, we beg of you to be fearless and thorough from the very start. Some of us have tried to hold on to our old ideas, and the result was nil until we let go absolutely. And there is so much truth in that, you guys. If you are in your sobriety, if you are working your program, if you are trying to stay away from that first drink, guess what? Letting go of your old ideas is the only thing, only thing that is going to keep you staying sober. Because as it states, the next sentence is, we deal with alcohol, cunning, baffling, powerful. So... If we are trying to take it easy, if we are trying to let go of our old ideas, those are the things that are going to help us stay away from that first drink. And it started thinking about, I started thinking about some of my old ideas. And what I shared this morning for myself was alcohol made me attractive. I was not a pretty girl growing up. I had crossover teeth because I used to suck my thumb super blonde hair so it was generally always frizzy and I decided in 1989 in third grade like every other normal girl to perm my hair or crimp my hair and you can probably only decipher what a disaster that was 
my mom always told me my I was pretty, and I don't think she was lying to me. I don't think it was like, oh, my daughter's so pretty, and then everybody else was like, holy shit, you're lying. I don't think it's like that at all. I really do believe that my mom thought I was a very pretty girl. And I think that for me, I couldn't understand why that wouldn't correlate over to boys um, or the boys I wanted. I, I'm sure it correlated over to boys, um, but in my self-centeredness, probably just not the boys that I wanted. So when I started drinking and when I started coming into my own in my younger 20s, I was starting to get attention. But I didn't know how to handle that attention, so I started drinking. And the alcohol, in my mind, combined with drugs and with marijuana, made me more attractive. And that was the only way that I was attractive. That was the only way that I was okay or boys wanted to be around me because of the alcohol because I was finally fun. I was finally attractive. I finally filled out my bra. If you don't think that's a thing, ladies, just admit it to yourself. You know it's a thing. If we don't have that top rack, it's almost like a foregone conclusion. We're definitely not getting a date in high school. So I had definitely believed that alcohol was the reason for everything, right? I believed that alcohol made me more fun it made me more attractive. It made me a better person. But see, that's the cunning and baffling part of it, right? It allows us to think we're all these things. It's <laughs> it's like that uh, country song where he talks about dancing with a lampshade on his head. That's what alcohol does to us. Sometimes it's fun. Sometimes it's funny. But it's definitely never attractive. And for me to think back on some of the things that I did while I was drinking because I thought they were attractive or sexy or what have you, I just cringe. I'm like, oh my God, did I actually do that? Like, yes, I did. Did I make out with every boy in that frat house? You better believe I did. So I had finally found this confidence, this confidence that I had never had before. And... That confidence also allowed me to make a lot of mistakes. That confidence allowed me to believe that I was invincible, that nothing could hurt me, that I knew best, that I could control everything, that my secrets would never be found out because the more I was able to finagle and manipulate people, the better, the better I got at it. But I really didn't get better at it. So our old ideas are what kept us drunk, right? So let's talk about some of our old ideas. For me, it was confidence. You know, I need alcohol to be confident. I still don't handle compliments well. I think I'm attractive. I think that I am beautiful. I think that I have a personality that people enjoy and like. I'm goofy. I'm silly. And I used to need to find validation in men and find validation in what they thought of me because I'd never had that before. And the validation that I did have at a very young age came from a very inappropriate relationship. So my idea of how men should treat me was completely different. My validation came from them thinking I was sexually attractive. And if I wasn't sexually attractive, I would just make out with them or do something sexual so they would like me. They didn't like me. They liked the fact that I was easy. So that old idea that confidence came from alcohol is a complete lie. 
a lot of bad decisions came from alcohol, but not my confidence. My confidence came when I quit drinking. My confidence came when I put the plug in the jug and I started working my program. My confidence came when I started seeing who I was as a person and my potential and what can happen if I just love myself. I don't need anybody else to love me except for me and my higher power and his love is unconditional. There's not another human being, there's not another person, a deity, entity, that is going to love me unconditionally. I say that carefully because I'm 95% sure that my mother loves me unconditionally, but she does get disappointed in me at times. And that's fine. That's the job of a parent. I mean, nobody's perfect, but my mom has seen me through a lot of shit. And so I do have to say that if any human being loved me unconditionally, it would definitely be my mom. What other old ideas do, do we have because of drinking that we're in control? You think you're in control? You think that... You can get everybody to do everything that you want, that you run the that you run the show, but that's not necessarily true. That's not correct at all. You are manipulative, you are coercive, but you realize that in step one, that your life has become unmanageable, right? That you're powerless. It doesn't matter what you're powerless over. If you're powerless over alcohol, if you're powerless over drugs, if you're powerless over sex, if you're powerless over anything in your life, you have to admit that your life is unmanageable and you are not in control. And that is really hard for some people. That's hard for people who aren't alcoholics, right? It's hard for us to go, oh yeah, no, I'm definitely not in control of this. Like I need help or yeah, I'm definitely not in control. I should counsel someone else. That's not that's not a thing, right? Like asking for help is a sign of weakness. And I know that to be true. I know that because that's what I used to do. And that's how I ended up, you know, with four felonies. And that's how I ended up losing a really good job, a couple of them actually. So, you know, not asking for help, thinking we're in control. Let that idea go. Let that idea go because you are not. You are not in control. Everybody knows what a mess you are. You're the only one that doesn't. And until you see what a mess you are, you're not going to be able to make any significant changes. If you continue to use, if you continue to drink, it is only going to get worse from there. Another old idea that comes to mind is ego, right? We think we are so important that it's all about us. We have to have all the attention. We have to have all the people focusing on us. It's like we can't survive unless we are the center of attention. And then if we're not, and then if we're not the center of attention, then all of a sudden we're the victim. And that is something that you have to keep in check all the time. Your ego is something that you absolutely need to keep in check. Do you remember in Top Gun when he said, your ego's right and catch, your bodies can't check? Well, it's a funny line and it's also accurate. Your ego literally is going to get you in trouble. Your ego thinking that you are something special, thinking that you are amazing, thinking you can be confident in yourself, that's fine. But when you invite your ego in and when you invite your ego to say, oh my God, look at all of this that I've done. I've done all of this and I'm so important and I'm so special and don't you know who I am? That's your ego, okay? And that old idea, first of all, people don't like that. People don't like people who brag. People don't like people who seem to think that they know best. And if you have an opinion, 
it doesn't mean you have to share it. If you have a thought, it doesn't mean everyone needs to know. Okay, and I know in the grand scheme of things, in Twitter world and in Instagram and Facebook and all this, we have to let everybody know what we're thinking and feeling all the time is really important. It's feeding our ego, right? It's feeding that desire and that need for attention. And that's something that I really had to accept too, is I really took a step back from social media the past couple of months and looked at how my life was impacted by it. I looked at how I was impacting others by it and what it was doing to me as a human being, what it was destroying, what it was taking away, what it was altering. And once I took my ego out of it and I went back into using it for my baseball writing, for helping people in sobriety, for uplifting people, I realized that once I took my ego out of it, that I absolutely have the control and the ability to allow social media to be just what it is as a way to communicate. I don't need the attention. I don't need the extra fawning. I don't need someone to know about my sex life or what I'm doing for lunch. I don't, there's so many things that we think people need to know about us that we really don't. And I think that's one thing for a lot of people and alcoholics, especially that we think we are so amazing that people have to know everything about us. And you know what? They really don't let there be mystery. Let there be a lure. Let only those people in that need to be in know everything about you. You guys know a lot about me. I'll be honest. You guys know a lot about me. There's things that I don't care if you know, but there are things that you're not going to know because my private life is private and I don't need the attention that my ego wants by telling you every minute little thing in my life. So I think that's one thing that we definitely need to remember is checking our ego. Literally check the ego at the door. It doesn't need to be there. And your ego will get you not only in trouble, but your ego will get you to take the first drink. Because the minute someone doesn't give you the attention you think you deserve, you are going to spiral. I promise you, you may not drink right away, but if you expect people to treat you like the amazing figure that you think you are, you are sorely going to be let down. This also comes to me to mind for myself because of my health. I don't have a disability on paper. I do have disabilities due to my health condition that don't allow me to do certain things. And so I used to wear that as a badge of honor. Oh, look at me, like I've got this thing and it's so miserable and I feel so crappy and everybody would feel sorry for me. And I really realized that that's not what I wanted. I wanted to empower other people with similar medical conditions, uh, with similar disabilities, with similar things in their lives. And so I took the ego out of my chronic condition. It's not easy because sometimes that's all I have to talk about you guys. This, my chronic illness literally kicks my ass on a daily basis, but I don't want to sit here and be like, oh my God, I'm so sick. Oh my God, I feel this way. Oh my God, I feel that way because I did do that for a while. And I really realized that as much as I want to say to people, hey, 
I have this thing going on, so I just really can't be involved right now. That is completely different than, oh my God, woe is me. Please feel sorry for me. So ego trips us up in a lot of different ways. And it's okay to have your disability, your medical condition, things wrong with you. And it is absolutely perfectly fine to let people know that, hey, this is what's going on. This is my you know, this is why I might disappear sometimes, or this is why things are difficult for me, or this is why I can't attend this event. You know, it's not a matter of pity. It's a matter of fact. When I went to Disney World with my moms and my son over Christmas, I, the first day I did really well, but by the second day I was so exhausted because of my condition that I had to use a wheelchair. And I used the wheelchair for probably three quarters of the day. And then towards the end of the evening, I had preserved enough energy using the wheelchair that I was able to get up and do a couple of different things with my family. And that was really, really nice. So it's it's a matter of making accommodations for yourself, letting go of your ego, letting go of that self-importance and allowing people to either help you or admit that you need help or empower people and help people to see how they can overcome their own hurts, hangups, disabilities, and things of that nature. Another part of letting go of ideas, for me at least, is the God of my understanding, right? It's God's will, not my will. And things that come up in my life, things that happen to me that there is simply no control over, it doesn't mean that I don't have a responsibility for my choices. My choices, I can control my reactions, my choices, what I say, how I act. I even said that on Instagram earlier this week. I had said that I had an expectation on Tuesday morning. And when that expectation didn't happen, I got upset, I got angry, and I got frustrated. Well, who did that? I did that. I put that expectation out there. And what that shows is that I thought that I had a control over it and I didn't. And what does it mean when I put God in charge of my life? It means that I'm doing his will. It means that I am doing the things that God has set out for me, not that I have set out for him to do for me as much as sometimes I would absolutely love for him to do for me what I would like. That's where prayer and petition and meditation come in. He is never far away. The God of your understanding is there to help you through. And he is going to remind you when you start to wander away. When you start to do things on your own, when you start to make your own decisions, not your choices, when you begin to make your own decisions about how you think your life should be ran, he is going to let you and he's going to be there to remind you. I remember one of the guys saying in the meeting today that God allows us to sit in our stink for a little bit to think about how to make good choices, do the next right thing. God knows what we are capable of. He truly does. And he doesn't mind sitting back a little bit and reminding you, you've got this. You have got this. If you need anything, I am right here. We're kind of actually at this point where we're stepping back into step two. Step two is about letting go of old ideas, right? We came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. It's about the spiritual starting line for our relationship with our higher power or God of our own understanding. So when we are asking God to take over, when we are asking God for us 
to live the will he has for us. We're allowing him to take control. And when we try and take that back, that's because we think our old ideas are better than his. And we have seen countless time and time again how our ideas are definitely, definitely not better than God's ideas. A friend of mine was talking about how she used to work on Wall Street and she would go to lunch and come back from lunch completely plastered. She did not see the problem with that. She did not see that when she allowed herself to try and be in control, that things were definitely out of control. It's amazing to think how many times I look back and go, oh my gosh, <laughs> like I really thought that was a good idea. Yeah, yeah, like I really thought that that was a good idea. We, we turn our lives and our will over to the care of God because we know that we can't do it. We know that we can't do it on our own. We know that our ego keeps us sick. We know that trying to do things on our own keeps us sick. We know that everything we used to try in the past from manipulating people, lying to people, stealing from people, those things, you guys, they did not work. And they're not going to work in the future. There is no way, had I been completely drunk and disorderly and out of it, that last two weeks ago, two weeks ago when I went and talked to my boss and I flung the door open and I yelled at him, there is no way 10 years ago that girl would still have a job because I would be belligerent, I would be rude, I would be condescending. Now, having the tools from being sober, from staying in AA, from going to meetings, I now have the tools to say to my boss, I don't agree with this. I probably shouldn't have yelled at him, but he loves me, so it's okay. I wasn't that worried about it. I'm his favorite. <laughs> so, you know, but that comes with that confidence, that confidence in I know what I'm doing, I know what I'm talking about, and this is what I feel is important, and I want to be heard. So when we have that ability to look into ourselves and know our self-worth and know that we're attractive, know that we're smart, know that we have something to offer, know that we bring value to the table, know that we are hardworking and caring and loving, that is a sign that our old ideas are nil and we have let go absolutely. I am not going to sit here and say that I am a 10 I am not going to sit here and say that I would win a beauty pageant. I officially am the girl who has a nice personality. And you know what? 20, 30 years ago, that probably would have bothered me. That that would have bothered me because nobody wants to be the person with the, oh, well, they've got a good personality. Fuck it. I do. I have a good personality and I am hilarious. Not everybody thinks so, but that's not my problem. What you think of me is none of my business, but... I know who I am, I know what I bring to the table, and I am confident in the life that AA and sobriety has given to me. And so if you think that you're going to hang on to your old ideas, if you think that you are going to be okay with being cranky or being in control or using your medical condition or using your ego or using your social media status or using anything else to create a life where you think you won't 
falter or fall from your pedestal, you're completely wrong because it doesn't take much. It doesn't take much to fall from a pedestal. It doesn't take much to completely screw up. All it takes is not letting go of the ideas that we had before that kept us drunk. This pandemic has been a bitch. It's been hard on all of us. It's been ridiculous. We have seen an influx in use of alcohol. We've seen an influx in depression and anxiety, isolation. There has been things from this pandemic that have really come out as needing to paying attention to mental health issues. There is no question in my mind that social media has not only shown some dark sides, but also very positive sides as well. I'm not here to say, well, social media is a shithole, don't get into it. That's not it at all. You need to redirect your thinking. I know that for me, I allowed it to control my life. I allowed for the opinions of others to become so centric in my life that that is what I thought of myself. I was no longer attractive and funny and smart. I was trying to be somebody that I was not. I went back to those old ideas that the only thing that is going to make me attractive, make me gorgeous, make me sexy, is if I have the ability to fit in with everybody else. The pandemic was hard enough and is hard enough that we don't need that added stress onto ourselves. Whatever or whoever you thought you were during that pandemic, you need to let go of that idea. That is not who you are. You are not your depression. You are not your mental health issues. You are not your anxiety. We are trying simply to fit into a new normal. And a new normal is not always easy. I get it. A new normal is very, very scary. But it doesn't have to be the reason why we don't continue our program. It doesn't have to be the reason why we give up. A new normal just means that we need to change and adapt with it. And if you're doing the right things, the next right thing, if you're talking to your sponsor, staying active in your program, going to meetings, staying in touch with people who are in the program, you are doing the things that you need to do to stay sober. You're not letting those old ideas get to you. You're not letting the things get to you that you used to that you're pitiful and no one likes you, or maybe if you would have just done it this way, things would have gone differently, or if you wouldn't have talked to this person that way, things happen in our lives for a reason. And as long as you are willing to know where your part ends and begins, I promise you, you will be okay. We are moving forward. We are not practicing anything but progress over perfection, spiritual growth, personal growth, letting go of our ego, letting go of the thought that alcohol solved anything, that pills solved anything because they really didn't. And I just want to encourage you to have positive affirmations of yourself, have positive affirmations. I don't care if it's regarding your looks, your job, your marriage, your parenting, your friendships, your hobbies, daily activities. I don't care what it is. I challenge you to find value in yourself every single day. Find value in what you brought to the table today. Find value in what you have done for either yourself or someone else. Find value in who you are as an individual, not as the world sees you, not as addiction or alcohol or depression or anxiety sees you. 
have a moment of silence and meditation and say, I am valuable. I am bringing something to the table. And I promise you, writing down your values, writing down your daily gratitude list, you will find the positivity in your life. And again, if you don't have it, if you can't find it, if you can't find that grace, come to me. I will give you grace. I will give you shelter. I will give you love. I will remind you who you are because you are not any of your mistakes. You are not your medical condition. You are not the last thing you said to your best friend. You are not what your parents think of you. You are not what your employer thinks of you. You are beautiful as you are. The value you bring to the world is individualistic, it's unique, and it's fantastic. It doesn't matter what it is that you brought to the table. If it's helping someone else and it's helping you stay sober, then that's all that matters. I really hope that you guys like this week's episode. I know it's totally, completely off script, off the top of my head, just might seem like nonsensical rambling, but it was so important to me that you guys know that you are not your past. You are not your old ideas. And that once you let go of all those old ideas, you will see those promises come true. You will see those promises take effect. And they are so beautiful. And you are beautiful. And you are a good person. We all make mistakes. We all struggle. Give yourself some grace. Take some time. Take it easy. And until next time, be well, fam. Thank you so much for joining us on today's episode of A Sober Girls Podcast. I hope that today's episode was something that you needed to hear today and can carry with you throughout the week until we get together next week. I really look forward to our time together and sharing my experience, strength, and hope so that you feel less alone and more empowered to keep taking it one day at a time. Don't forget to check us out on Twitter and on Instagram at A Sober Girls Pod and on our website at asobergirlspodcast.podbean.com. There you can find episode-specific content and contact information. You can also hear us on Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Apple iTunes, and Spotify. Until next time, fam, be well.